Welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this program, you'll hear inspiring stories, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Now let's welcome our hosts, Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and Robert Walter, our New York Regional Director. Shalom, friends. This is Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries. So glad to be with you. Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate your carving out some time to listen to my friend Bobby Walter and I as we banter back and forth and talk about uh, some pretty important uh, aspects of bringing the gospel to the Jewish people. So we're going to be speaking today about some of the objections Jewish people have, and we're actually doing a series called The Dirty Dozen. We're tackling 12 of the more usual objections that Jewish people have to the gospel message. And uh, as we continue through the series, I think we have a few more weeks left. So uh, you can find out more of what you missed. We have these on our website, and you can look at the website and see that it will direct you to some of the earlier Dirty Dozen. And so uh, welcome, Bobby. So glad to have you on this pretty important series. Yes, yes. Thank you, Mitch. Shalom to you, and shalom and welcome to all of our listeners. And uh, just in case you're wondering, if you wanted to check that website out, it's chosenpeople.com slash radio. Now, Mitch, I think we should just jump right into the first of these objections that we're going to deal with today. And I know I have heard this one so many times in casual conversations or in evangelistic conversations and encounters with Jewish people that I've met and and talked with uh, throughout New York and Israel. And the objection goes like this. A Jewish person cannot believe in Jesus because there's no peace in the world. The Messiah Mm. is supposed to bring peace. So where is the peace? If Jesus is the Messiah, where is the peace? So, Mitch, how can we respond with grace and truth to this objection? Well, I I love being able to answer this objection because I have a personal principle in overcoming or trying to overcome the objections of Jewish people to Jesus, and that is to, as much as possible, affirm the objection. (laughs) Hmm, Interesting. So, you know, uh, I, I don't necessarily say, well, you're right about that, but I might say, you know, that... I understand where you're coming from on that. And this objection is very obvious uh, as to where people are coming from, where Jewish people especially are coming from, because in Judaism, we are taught that when the Messiah comes, he will raise the dead, he will bring peace, uh, there will be no more hunger, and all of these wonderful things take place when the Messiah comes. Mm -hmm. So uh, if, if you're listening, you have your Bibles, you can actually pull out... Uh, Isaiah chapter 11, we're going to read from verse 1 on, and you will see why Jewish people believe that when the Messiah comes, there'll be world peace. Isaiah writes, a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what his eyes see, nor make a decision by what he hears. And this is a descriptive of the Messiah, according to uh, most uh, rabbis in Jewish tradition. But with righteousness, he'll judge the poor and decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth. He'll strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. So there's a certain element of judgment uh, when the Messiah comes. 
Also, righteousness will be the belt about his loins and faithfulness the belt about his waist. And so it speaks about the, the character, the righteous character of the future Messiah. And then in verse 6, we read, And the wolf will dwell with the lamb. That word for wolf is translated lion sometimes in uh, different ways. But the wolf will dwell with the land, and the leopard will lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little boy will lead them. And then Isaiah goes a little bit further, and in verse 9 says, They will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. And here it is, For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord, as the waters fill the sea. And then in that day, in verse 10, the nations will resort or come, gather around the root of Jesse, who will stand as a signal, sometimes translated ensign, for the peoples, and his resting place, which is Jerusalem, where his rightful throne will be, will be glorious. So a Jewish person who believes that when the Messiah comes, there will be world peace if there is a curse for sin, which Jewish people uh, or if sins bring, sin brings a curse, Jewish people don't completely understand that at times. But the curse will certainly be lifted. And in that glorious day, the Messiah will reign on his throne, the dead will be raised, the kingdom will be established. And so a Jewish person is right in s- suggesting that they can't believe in the Messiah because the Messiah has not brought this world peace that they are expecting. And it's really pretty well known that that is the expectation of Jewish people. What's missing here, of course, is in the same book of Isaiah, and that is Isaiah chapter 53. Mm. And in that passage, we find out that there's actually a first coming for the Messiah and a second coming for the Messiah, and Judaism doesn't teach two comings. And Judaism certainly doesn't teach that if there are two comings, that the two comings are united in one person. There's a sort of spurious little Jewish view about two messiahs who arise in the end of days, but most Jewish people don't know about that. Mm -hmm. But Isaiah 53 does speak about a suffering messiah who comes and brings about redemption from personal sin. And rather than bringing restoration to the earth, brings restoration to the personal individual soul of a man or woman, giving them peace. So the Messiah first comes to bring peace to the hearts of individuals by lifting the curse of sin from their lives. And then one day he will return to bring about peace on the earth. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right, Mitch. And that passage from Isaiah 53, 5 is embodied in Jesus. It says, but he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. So absolutely. So as we move on now to the next objection, uh, this also is a really common objection that comes up quite frequently. And it goes like this. A Jewish person will say that they cannot believe in Jesus because they don't believe in the Trinity, that there is only one God, not three. Now, this one presents, you know, also some unique challenges, but I think if we appeal to the scriptures and if we appeal to uh, some concepts in the scriptures, even in the Old Testament in and of itself, we can find evidence of a triune God. So one of these passages that we can turn to for this evidence is what's called the Shema. 
uh, in Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Now, the Shema is arguably like the John 3.16 of the Jewish world. It's the most famous passage, the most common passage. It's an important part of the prayers that are prayed every single day. Uh, and it's very powerful because God's identity is on display. So this is what it says in Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Now, the word that's used here for one is echad. One example that kind of helps us understand it and how it's used here in Deuteronomy 6.4 is uh, found later on when the spies go into the land of Israel to reconnoiter the land and they come back and they have this big cluster of grapes, right? And the word that's used to describe this cluster of grapes is the word echad. So the fact that the word echad is used here by Moses in Deuteronomy 6.4 gives us some insight into the nature of God. He is a complex unity. He is one God with three persons, as we learn from the rest of the scriptures, as God progressively unveils more and more about his nature, his identity uh, in the prophets, in the writings, in the New Testament. We learn that he is indeed three persons in one God. So we don't worship three gods, we worship one God. You know, we think that there's great evidence in scripture uh, all throughout the Old Testament that God is a composite unity. and I remember once talking to uh, a rabbinical student about it, and he says, no way. I said, well, read uh, Zechariah 12.10 with me. I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication, and they will look upon me whom they have pierced. And I said, so who is that? God says he's going to pour out. God says they're all singular pronouns. You know, I will pour out, and they will look unto me. And then they will mourn for him. Well, wait a minute. You got two first persons, one third person. They all seem to be the same person, but by virtue of the last pronoun, it seems to be a different person. So I asked this rabbinic student, so is it God or is it not God? And he says, I'm not sure. I have to look at it further. <laughs> you know. In other words, it's not that there's this hugely clear case for the triune nature of God in the Old Testament scriptures. But there's so much evidence that a very sensible and strong case can be built for your Jewish friend if they are inclined to ask the question and inclined to believe what the Bible itself says about the nature of God. Israel is in the news a lot. But do you really know what to make of the conflicts and controversies in the Middle East? What about the history and strife of the Israeli and Palestinian territories? Is there a solution to restore relationships between the Jewish and Arab people? Well, these are a few of the questions several well-known Jewish theologians, pastors, and speakers address in the book, What Should We Think About Israel? Get all the facts in one clear resource when you go online to chosenpeople.com radio. That's chosenpeople.com radio. The book is our free gift to you this month just for reaching out and saying hello. Or ask for the book, What Should We Think About Israel? Edited by J. Randall Price when you call 888-2-YESHUA. That number again is 888-293-7482. Thanks for reaching out. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. And right now we're going to hear from Peruz Abir. 
Now, throughout his life, Peruse understood God's power, but it wasn't until he met some Gentiles who knew more about God than he did that he accepted Jesus as the Messiah. I know that you'll enjoy Peruse's testimony. He's one of our chosen people board members, an Iranian Jewish brother, and uh, he's got a, a lot to say that will stir your heart. I remember um, I was a small child, and uh, my sweet mom uh, teaching me Shema Israel. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai. I went to a Jewish school in Tehran, uh, learning Hebrew, English, Farsi. They, they talked uh, more about faith and what it is to know who this God is, God of Abraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov. I remember every night um, praying the Shema, and then uh, just uh, openly talking to God. In our family, things were going wrong. My parents were out of sorts, fighting with each other. I had a tremendous earache. And I remember my grandmother telling my dad, you need to bring a lamb, a sheep, and have the rabbi come and uh, say bracha and uh, sacrifice the lamb. We gathered around and we laid hands on the sheep. The rabbi prayed in Hebrew and always distinctly we remembered that was for our wound, for, for our sins. The minute that uh, he slaughtered the, the lamb, something amazing happened. My earache went away. It was a big prestige thing in, in Iran f for the kids to come to America. And I was fortunate enough that uh, I was able to come here. I went to an American school, just a whole new world. I felt like I can do anything I wanted to do. My parents weren't looking over my shoulder and I didn't have to be accountable to anybody. I still remember that, you know, there was a 10 commandment that it said somewhere in there, do not commit adultery. and things like this, but I thought to myself, maybe that's really for the olden people. Uh, I'm a software developer by uh, trade. Uh, in collaboration with some friends, um, on the side, we start working on another business project. Some of the business contacts that we had um, were people of faith. I love the strength of their faith. And the way they talked about this man, Jesus, is as if he was God himself. And that was really offensive to me. And one thing that challenged me is that they knew my Jewish Bible better than I did. You know, having heard all these debates in my head and friends and obviously reading articles, uh, books, archaeology, and so on and so forth about, well, Moses did this and Jesus did this and Muhammad did this. You know what? I really need to go to the source. I'm going to go read the Jewish Bible. One thing I... I I had realized in, as I was reading the Torah, it was amazing to me that when the Jewish people went through the 
what they witnessed with God opening the sea and went through and they saw these unusual happenings that Moses himself says, you were world witnesses, you saw these things. Your children haven't seen them, but you saw them. Just remember this. Yet, they forgot about it, and for 40 years, we just spun around the desert over and over and over. And I thought to myself, is it possible that, you know, last time was 40 years, maybe this time it's been 2,000 years that we're spinning around the, uh, the, this uh, uh, world, chasing our own tails and trying to figure out what's up. And sure enough, uh, as I start reading this passage, Isaiah 53, and it starts talking about that, uh, how uh, this man died for our sins, and he was, uh, he was bruised. And through his um, uh, stripes, we are healed. He talked about how, like a lamb, um, he was taken to sacrifice like a lamb. Like that same sheep that was brought to our yard. <sighs> One thing that occurred to me as I talked to the rabbi and the rabbi said, how could God become a human being? And it occurred to me if God of Abraham, Yisach Yaakov, who's that powerful God who opened the sea, if he could do that, who am I to say that if he wanted to show up in form of a human being on earth, who am I to stop him? I kept telling myself, you know what? He is the Messiah. He's the Mashiach. He's not a Gentile, he's Jewish. It was the straw that broke the camel's back, that passage. Once I read that passage, it was like, okay, basically it sealed the deal. He's the Messiah. And I believed him. I never wanted to hurt my family. So I stayed silent. Then a short while ago, something happened that turned me upside down again. My own son uh, was driving back from um, his internship program long distance. That night we were waiting for him at home. Nine o'clock is when we were expecting him. You get a knock on the door. It's the police. Our local police. And we're like, okay. He said that your son. <laughs> has been taken. He's been flown to a hospital. went down, not knowing what to expect. 
because as far as they knew, there, there was brain injury. What I do remember is praying to God and asking him, God, you have to give him back to us whole. Each hour we saw improvement to the point that by the third or fourth day, God brought this child back to us. What that did reminded me of a story about um, a young girl, 12-year-old, who the family and friends thought she was dead. And uh, this man who ran a synagogue chased down, found this teacher who was known in the region north of Israel at the time and begged him, come and heal my daughter. And this man went down to this uh, man's, other man's house and raised the little girl back to life. The man whose daughter was healed, who could not shut up anymore. I love my family, but I can't shut up about who this Jesus is anymore. This Jesus healed my son, brought him back to life. He, he was quick. Gracious to watch over my son when I couldn't. And I didn't know. I feel like that man whose daughter was healed. I can't shut up anymore. I have to tell the story. I have to tell the story. You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you'd like to learn more about this weekly program, then let me encourage you to stop by our website and explore. We've got a variety of resources available to help you discover the Jewish history and heritage of the Christian faith. Study tools and guides designed to help you share your faith with your Jewish friends and family. And then we even have a free gift for you. That's right, Bobby where you can ask for J. Randall Price, Randall Price's compilation book. And I have a chapter in there, by the way. What Should We Think About Israel? You'll find it at chosenpeople.com slash radio, and we'll send it to you absolutely free. It's our way of saying thank you for just saying hello to us. And then, if you would, please take a moment to let us know that you're listening and that you're praying for this ministry among the Jewish people. The Bible tells us that the prayers of a righteous person are powerful. They accomplish a lot. And we believe that your prayers empower us to reach Jewish people all over the globe. And so we welcome and deeply appreciate your partnership. You can also connect with us through the mail when you write to us at Chosen People Ministries, 241 East 51st Street in New York, New York, 10022. Or give us a call and let us know that you're listening. The number to dial is 888-293-7482. 
That's 888-2-YESHUA. And be sure to ask for your free copy of What Should We Think About Israel? And now let's wrap up today's program with the Aaronic Benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.